you're listening to Contesting Wrestling. This is a podcast where I, Evan Burke, a writer of some note, if you talk to the right people who are my parents, I ask myself, why Lovely people. is wrestling? Why would you do this? And I, most people are kind of on board with me about that. They're like, why is this? Why, this seems dumb. This seems like it's bad for society. I don't like the people who like it. I don't want them to live near me. I think that their facial hair is dumb. I think that be, pretending you're a doctor of rock music is a, is a bizarre endeavor to do. Yeah, Ben. Yeah, I think I think pretending, I think claiming to have a doctorate in philosophy from the City University of New York and teaching there under an assumed identity is a terrible thing to do. But that's neither here nor there. That would be Maybe, a terrible thing to do, yes. That would be. That would be a horrible thing to do, to kill a man and pretend to be a philosophy professor named Ben Ableton, um, who is, was the man that you killed. But hey, you got to find some way to get a platform to talk about pro wrestling that people who aren't wrestling fans <laughs> might listen to. So, it's I, harder not, than you'd think. Um, in case you have never listened to us before, um, I don't I don't really care for wrestling. I you know, grew up thinking it was just dumb. Never really put a lot of thought into it. Um, but my t- two co-hosts are two of my oldest and closest friends, and I love and respect them very much. And they are about as into wrestling as human beings can be into something. And so this is me trying to figure out what we're how that works. And uh, we're gonna they're gonna introduce themselves, and then I'm gonna talk about what our topic is for today. Uh, my name is Doc Diamondfire. I've been involved in professional wrestling for about a dozen years. Uh, I do commentary and ring announcing primarily these days. I, I wrestle. Yeah, if you want me to wrestle, I will totally put on my tights and wrestle. Um, and uh, I like talking about wrestling. I've been watching wrestling since 1992. I have a lot of opinions and a lot of experience. And Dr. Abelson, who are you? Well, I am ostensibly Dr. <laughs> ben Abelson, <laughs> professor of philosophy at Mercy College. It's 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 generally accepted that you that's, are Benjamin Abelson. That's the theory, the prevailing theory, as it were. And perhaps there is some evidence for it. Hello. Um. <laughs> now, all right. All right. Now I'm going to explain. I feel like I need to explain something. So my thought process for today's episode. You normally, uh, I usually pick the topics. I usually am like, hey, I've heard about this wrestler. I've heard about this person. What's the deal with this concept? And let's do an episode around that. And that's what happened today. And my thought process initially was, oh, I've heard of Roddy Piper. I know that he's famous. I uh, vaguely know that I, like he's Scottish. My family is, is mostly Scottish. I think his family is actually from the same place uh that my grandparents are from glasgow his, which is also his real last name is tombs if that helps t-o-o-m-b-s i believe so and my thought was i was like oh cool we can do uh, i know he's like we want i want to do some classic stuff i know he's supposed to be very entertaining i uh and then also we wanted to do some premium episodes where we start watching movies starring wrestlers and there's some great classic movies some gla- great classic b movies that i've actually never seen because as i have revealed before on this podcast i've only seen like eight movies a filmistine uh, as it were yes yeah that well i don't i don't like hate or not believe in film i just don't make the time for it is okay, what it is i just watch more movies TV. exist yeah, i'm not anti-movies that's not i just i, you know, <laughs> I, I am know, I'm more of <laughs> tv works more for for my for my taste there was a period um, of time uh when we were all hanging out doc if you'll remember where like we were kind of anti-movie. We were like, Hollywood yeah. is bullshit. Like, if we're going to watch movies, they're going to be cheesy fucking sci-fi B-movies. Um, yeah. Wrestling is the thing to watch. <laughs> and we did. Yes. A lot. Like, a lot. There there was not a lot of... I feel like there weren't a lot of great movies in, early, in the early 2000s. I remember um, feeling just there, growing up that, I mean, at least when it comes to, like, conventional Hollywood movies... You know, in wrestling, sometimes the bad guy wins. You know, 
Yeah. Hollywood films, like, you kind of know yeah. how it's going to work out one way or another. True. true. Yeah, That's yeah. true. It, it teaches some important life lessons, uh, which is uh, tangentially sort of what I'm getting to. Um, so, yeah, so my intention was just like, oh, cool, like, so we can do Roddy Piper and it'll be a fun thing. My intention was not, and I'm now, now having watched Roddy Piper and seen him in action and seen some of his promos and classic stuff, I just want to clarify my intention was not, oh, let us, during this time of reckoning with America's history of racism, let's cover one of the more outwardly racist wrestlers. Let's do, that's not, that was not the thought process and here. I did not realize that, like, holy shit, the shit that you could just fucking say on television in the in the 80s, I, like, uh, really oh, yeah. blows my mind. Now, I also was very entertained by Roddy Piper, and, like, look, my, the whole, the, the, my goal, when we talk about the shitty things from wrestling's past, like, I, you know, I'm not trying to, like, I'm not trying to, like, cancel Roddy Piper. I'm not out here, like, hashtag cancel Rowdy Roddy Piper. Um, It'd and be hard just, to like, cancel him it. now that he's dead. But. Yes, yeah, go, yeah. The God canceled him already, so that would be wrong for me to try to do it. And the point is, is like I, I just, but it's like I don't know. Yeah, I also feel like I have to talk about. It. It's a big part of why I was so anti wrestling for so long is because this was kind of a big part of my perception. Even if I didn't know about Piper specifically, definitely my perception of wrestling was that it was incredibly disrespectful to people, everybody who wasn't a white dude. Even if I wasn't as, even if I couldn't necessarily articulate that in the late '90s when I was a teenager and nobody really talked about this stuff, I still had this feeling that like wrestling was a thing that seemed to not like women and seemed to like be shitty towards black people and seemed to be a thing that racists liked. No, I'm not saying I, I now understand that that's more complicated, but yeah, so I don't know. It's, it's, it's a thing that we have to talk about. Um, when we, when we talk about wrestling's past, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think there's also something to be said for the fact that Piper got over in the WWF as a heel, um, being sexist and racist and all that stuff. Sure. And some of that you can chalk up to as being a heel, right? We should boo those sentiments and attitudes. Sure, sure. Of course, he didn't stop <laughs> when he turned face. And that's the really sort of more worrisome thing is that the crowd just kind of kept going along with it. Um, especially the, the homophobic stuff that we're going to talk about involving Adrian Adonis. But also, you know... Even getting into the 90s, um, Piper was pulling stunts that are very objectionable. Yeah, he, he had said, especially in the, the era that we're kind of watching now in the mid 80s, you know, the, he, wanted, he wanted to get heat. And the best way to get heat was to do that against the people, you know, he was getting against. These days, the attitude would be, how come a company wants to put that on their television? At the time, the attitude was, this guy's despicable, let's go to the show and watch somebody beat him up. And that's the real difference between the entertainment industry then and the entertainment industry now. People cared a lot less about like what a company was choosing to present at the time. Um, they I, took I, it a little I, bit more at face value, I think. I do, I do also think that there is a... that a lot of people would say that... I don't want to like speak for anybody, but I... I have seen a lot of like people of color who are fans of anything in 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 geekdom or anything in in media talking about how you can be a big fan of something and then like that still no matter how it's contextualized or no matter how it's framed in the story or anything it still sucks when Roddy Piper like uh says implies that Mr. T has painted himself black which is both wrestling which is both racist and baffling and once again like I'm not saying like oh therefore hashtag cancel Roddy Piper like oh fuck Roddy Piper but I yeah. think that they, I, th I think that that is a there is a big difference is that it's not just it's not just like oh like people are more walking on eggshells or more afraid to be it's like no we understand the depths of how fucked up that is in a way that just things have progressed about just wait yeah. till we get to Roddy Piper painting himself black yeah oh <laughs> oh my what have I signed on for and like look I also and like you know I also objectively have to admit I enjoyed these matches dramatically more than I have enjoyed wrestling from this era that we have watched. 
Like, I enjoyed mm-hmm. Piper's. I don't know if I would necessarily watch him do a whole match. Actually, yeah, the match with Mr. T kind of sucked. But the, the match with the, Brett is one of my favorite matches of all time. I it's in like my top ten. I fucking loved it. Dude, oh, yeah, it the story actually, they told was incredible. And it's it's going to warm your heart a little bit. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm like, okay. <laughs> right, right. I'm starting to see what's up with Brett here. Good. This is interesting. Yeah, because if any um, match would do it, it would be this one. Like, yeah, you know, now we've been doing this show for a while and, you know, I had my list in my head of my favorite matches, but now I've had to sort of reconsider them. And this is, you know, I, I think like this, the, the Sasha Banks, Ronda Rousey match we did, uh, recently and like Daniel Bryan, Brock Lesnar, like having rewatched everything, I think those might be my three favorite matches of all time right sure. now. <laughs> uh, pretty excellent. Um, but yeah, so Roddy Piper. Okay. Roddy Piper. Do you, let's let's start with some biographical stuff. He seems okay. to be. I mean, obviously he was he's Scottish. He was born in uh, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, in Canada, and yeah, he, is apparently related to the Hart family in a way that none of them quite understand. Bruce claimed that he was their second cousin. Yeah, uh, you know. It, it, it may be true, it may just be wrestling, but they always acted like they were family. Um, Piper grew up, uh, you know, his, his dad was a Mountie. Um, he was a very troubled child. He was oh, expelled from school. His dad was a Mountie. So he his finally, dad was a Mountie. so it makes sense, you know, like it's, it was a very yeah, Freudian thing. He finally got his match with the Mountie. When he beat the Mountie for the Intercontinental title. Damn. Well, he, he was not particularly fond of his parents. He, he was expelled from school at 13 for carrying a switchblade, um, which then he promptly uh, left home, lived in a series of youth hostels, um, joined the Canadian Army for a year. He says, he had said in several interviews, he doesn't know where he picked up the bagpipes, but at some point he started playing the bagpipes. Just that Scottish and, gene. Uh, yeah. Just, it's going right. to realize itself one way or another. And um, and he got into it. He got into wrestling through the you know through the regular carny uh, ways that was in the late sixties. And he was a Golden <laughs> that, Gloves that boxer. He, he was a Golden Gloves boxer too. Yes, he was a trained boxer. He trained boxing more than he trained wrestling. Well, I was gonna say, and I think I think we've talked about this before when Piper comes up. Yeah. Piper does not look like he is a trained wrestler in any way, no, shape, no. or form. He like looks like he moves wrong yeah he like move yeah. everything he does especially like i'm watching him just watching piper makes my knees hurt because he's constantly landing at these like angles where the way that he and it's like something that you would never notice except for the fact that you realize that he's not doing it and like every other wrestler is doing it because a basic part of this training seems right. to be to learn how to like not hurt yourself and land right so you're not like fucking rolling the dice on your knees every time you drop to the ground and it's like it but it also lends to the fact that he seems dangerous he on a recent episode we talked about uh the time that we were in philly and there was a guy outside who was going around um tapping tapping people on the balls like clearly trying to like get them to fight him sort of and just being invasive yeah piper is really that there is a there Piper is, an, is that guy. Totally. There is an older generation of dudes, and there's probably dudes our age who are like this too, but I, there just aren't as many of them. It feels like there used to just be millions of these guys um, who just like so like aggressively like in your space, like like it's a it's they're sort of like bullying you, but they're also like trying to get get you to fight them, and it's sort of like a constant test of your manhood. And it's uh, it's just this like uh, yeah aggressive, violent, off kilter masculinity. That's Evan, very scary. Remember when we were playing in Murfreesboro, North Carolina, and that guy tried to pay or offered to pay Gabe a hundred dollars in order to fight him. Oh yes, yes, I do remember <laughs> that. Yeah, and then his friend had to be like, no, 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 these guys aren't like that. Yeah, that kind of. That was wow. That was the most backwoods place I've ever been in my life by far. Yeah, that was, that was that that was um that was some shit. Yeah, that was quite a that was fun. It was well, a fun show P- though. Piper, Piper yeah. was definitely very familiar uh, through his through his childhood and teenage years, and you know up until joining the Canadian Army. Uh, very familiar with fighting people physically. You know, he did not 
I mean, I know I just kind of glossed over it, but think about that for a second. He spent his entire teenage year living in youth hostels in like uh, in in Canada, you know, where he was um, constantly fighting for any property that he owned. He was constantly fighting uh, the various other cliques that you meet in places like youth hostels where not being in school. Um, he had it really rough. And if you study his life afterwards, he was always very like paranoid and just very careful about himself and like his money and his career and his family, you know, and it did very well by him over the course of his life. He became a movie star and a millionaire and he married, uh, he married his wife, Kitty. And, uh, uh, was it Kitty? Kitty was somebody's wife. I think it was Kitty. He married his wife, Kitty, in, uh, I believe, 1985 and they stayed married until the day he died. He had four children with her or she had four children with him. And, um, yeah, he, he was very like, as soon as he had something resembling a normal life, he did whatever he could to keep it because he didn't know that when he was a kid. As a result of that, he was very poorly educated. He claims to have never read an entire book and it's not in a way that some people are proud of that. He's like, he, he thought he was very dyslexic. He could read like pamphlets and like he could read you know but he was functionally illiterate otherwise and he knows because he was a smart guy that that held him back so he was like he was a victim of um well he was a victim of society if you want to go right to the punk rock version of it i mean uh, no that's he, true like that against that kind all of odds he made shit. it and yeah. he um he was an undersized guy for a wrestler too when he started his wrestling career he was like 150 pounds he says his first match was against Larry the Axe Henning who just told him well meet me in the ring and it lasted 30 seconds and Larry broke his nose and um and told him later that was fine and he, he just kept going after that his body type does also seem to be indicative of the like sometimes watching wrestling it feels like nobody did squats until 1993 because they're just like and he has like because that's the thing because he's got that same he's got like a pretty he's got a boxer's upper body like he's got a pretty strong upper body and his legs are just like are just like kind of normal dude legs that also kind of stick out at just enough of an angle to fucking destroy his knees constantly. I'm going to keep coming back to this because it bothers me oh, please every do. time. My knees also suck, so that's why it pains knees, me so everybody. much to see it. But. Yeah, I think he definitely had a couple of, uh, at least one hip replacement before. Yeah, the by the time life. he was 40. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he he had he had admitted openly later on that like he did a lot of uh, a lot of various drugs in the WWF run, not the kind of drugs that like the rock stars do. He said, "Well, I mean, the way the schedule went for his undersized frame, you know, he'd take steroids and then he'd go work out heavy because he needed to bulk up because it was a big man's territory and he was going to be facing Hogan who was so much bigger than him. And then he needed, you know, you go to the arena and wrestle, go to the hotel room, you got five hours to sleep, you need to get some sleep." Uh, because that's when the workout takes effect. So you take downers to go to sleep and then you wake up and then you take cocaine to wake up and then you immediately go to the next town and, and get to the gym again. And it's an endless cycle because you'd be wrestling seven days a week at the time. You'd get a, when you were really on top, you would get like two days a month off and that would be it. And you'd spend that time doing your laundry. Maybe you'd see your family. He looks especially ripped in the Adonis match. I think. Yeah. He, yeah. Well, he had stopped. He had stopped wrestling that schedule at that point. You know, they had billed it as his retirement right. match, which was laughable, we'll get to of that. course. Yeah. We'll get to that, yeah. All right, so uh, let's let's start talking about the specific content for uh, this episode. Right. Uh, the first thing I sent you guys was December 28th, 1984. This is one of the most important events in the development of the rock and wrestling connection, which culminated at the first WrestleMania, which Roddy Piper was in the main event of teaming with Paul Orndorff against Hulk Hogan and Mr. T. Um, and so really, this is one of the main catalysts for that match. Dick Clark is giving um, Cindy Lauper this award for her contributions to women's wrestling because she had been managing Wendy Richter at the time. So let me let me insert yeah, something yeah. right here. Think about that for a second, like the level of celebrity that we're talking about here. That would be like if on Monday Night Raw, like Ryan Seacrest was presenting Lady Gaga with an award for her contributions to wrestling. Like totally. that's the level of celebrity we were talking about <laughs> yeah, at the yeah. time. 
Cindy Lauper was the hottest act that wasn't named Michael Jackson in the country. And Dick Clark was Dick Clark. He had been the host of America for 30 years at that point. Yeah. And so Lauper's manager, da- uh, David Wolf, is there. Captain Lou Albano, who had been a heel manager for years, comes out and he, he was in the Girls Just Want to Have Fun video. So he's now aligned with Lauper. Uh. They make a big deal about the fact that he's, you know, helping raise money for multiple sclerosis. So he's not a heel anymore. <laughs> you know, uh, Evan, you'll probably remember him from one other thing in the 80s. Oh, oh, I, I, I of course, remember him as eventually becoming not just not a heel, but the ultimate hero, Mario. Yes. The Super yes, Mario Brothers right. cartoon show. He would do the live this, action uh, hosting, basically, of it. Easily the second greatest actor ever to take on the role. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it is. Uh, Bob, Bob, it's Bob Hosk. I mean, come on. Bob like, Hosk, look, right. uh, that movie might suck and not be, you know, have anything to do with the game. But Bob Hoskins, it, he, he does. Everyone he in it. that movie deserved better. Bob Hoskins is great. John Leguizamo always deserved better just in his career in general. Dude, John Leguizamo <laughs> is in. I've mentioned this movie on this podcast before. But yeah, John uh, John Leguizamo is in my all-time favorite bad movie, The Happening, and delivers a real a great performance given what he has to work with in that film. We have this whole setup, you know, Lopper's getting the award, Albano's talking, whatever. Piper comes out, and this is in Madison Square Garden. Piper comes out and just creates utter bedlam within seconds. Uh, he smashes the gold record over Albano's head. He kicks Cindy Lauper across the ring. He body slams David Wolf, and just it's awesome. <laughs> Everyone hates it. Everyone yeah, wants Dick to Clark kill him. goes running. Dick Clark goes running. <laughs> Finally, Hogan comes out and chases Piper off. But man, right. what a bastard! Right, and that that was what made Piper so uh, so compelling. Is that where he went? Chaos followed. <laughs> And I didn't um, want to make Evan watch too much, but if you go online and you look up just some of the promos he cut on Cindy Lauper after that, it's incredible stuff. Just so mean-spirited. And, and he's very anti-rock and roll. He like, I don't know. Right, he's very anti-rock and roll. <laughs> As this you could still get away with being... You could still get away with being the heel that didn't like that rock music in, in, in 1985, believe it or not. It's because it was still so big, you know? Right. And I guess it was just, uh, it was it was becoming mainstream in a way. It, it was it was ceasing to be counterculture and just becoming sure. culture at that point. Yeah. It's easy to forget in the 80s the unbelievable wave of, of 50s nostalgia that was happening at the time. Mm. And, like, this was, this was also the era of... Um, uh, footloose and shit like that. So, like, the you know, authority figures coming in and being like, I don't like these things that are cool that our society embraced 30 years ago. But they're just like, it's, right. I don't know, it's sort of a throwbacky kind of thing, maybe. Sure. So, and, and I think also it made a lot more sense in the context of wrestling because wrestling was so steeped in the past up until now. You know, Vince McMahon is rebelling against the rest of the wrestling promoters who want to keep wrestling the same that it's been since the 50s, you know, by bringing in these rock and roll personalities. Like, that was exactly the attitude that the old school promoters had. (laughs) So it's kind of by having Piper be that, it's kind of Vince sort of creating... Creating his yeah. uh, a character out of his enemies and then smashing that character over the head with a chair. Yeah. It's something he loved doing and did many times after this. Absolutely. So speaking of smashing people over the head with things. Oh, for, for, for the record, people who know Vince say that like he's a huge fan of ACDC and his tastes have not evolved in the last 30 years. So you, you can I'm sure that's not a surprise. Like, you're driving with him, and he'll turn on back in black and start singing along with it. Then he'll roll up all the windows and fart and laugh at you while declaring all he eats is protein. That's what Jim Ross said in his book. So (laughs) It's a great book. So, yeah, we watched this Piper's Pit segment from March 28th, 1984. This is earlier than the Cyndi Lauper stuff. This is really what got uh, Piper over as a heel to begin with in the WWF. He had just come up from uh, the NWA in early 84. 
Um, so he's got Superfly Jimmy Snuka, you know, the Fijian superstar on his interview show, The Piper's Pit. And he proceeds to mock him with a number of fruits, with uh, a pineapple and a banana. Um, he calls him a monkey. He said he gives him the pineapple, pineapple and bananas to make him feel at home. Uh, and then he's like, oh, and, and, and Snook at some point is like, are you making fun of me? And <laughs> yeah, Snooker was super charismatic, but he was not very good with words. No. And eventually Piper smashes the fucking coconut over Snooker's head. And this is not some fringe thing that people that has been buried uh, under the rug or whatever. This is one of the most memorable moments of Piper's career that they replay over and over again. They don't show the part where he's whipping Snuka, telling him to get up, boy. But they do show the Ugh. part where he smashes him with the coconut. By now, it's like the one second clip of the coconut. And I'm guessing that that is not a doctored coconut. I'm guessing that no. He- um so uh, I've 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 seen many interviews with Piper. He he was after his career was rather loose-lipped about as much that was going on unlike some of his uh some of his compatriots and he always like had to breathe a second like we're going to break kayfabe it's okay. It's okay. And his story of this night was like they were still doing like heels and faces in different locker rooms. So they told him, "All right, you're going to this is this is your interview show. You you do the thing with the the fruits, say what you're going to say and then you smash him with the coconut." Okay. And so he smashes Snooker with the coconut. And the thing is, you know coconuts, those things you need a drill to get through. Well, yeah, I like couldn't believe that Snooker yeah. was fucking conscious after that. He said that afterwards, like he saw Snooker. He found Snooker, and Snooker was like sitting there staring into the like space. He's like, "Are you okay? Like, well, how did you like take the coconut?" <laughs> and Snooker said, "You know, brother, they didn't tell me about any coconut, man. And they told Piper, you smashed the coconut over his head." And Piper, like, you know, he, he it was part of a long, longer piece where he talks about how much they constantly, like, on a corporate level would mess with Snooka out of mostly racism. Now, I don't want to paint Snooka in a in a, um, in a sympathetic light. Snooka totally killed that girl. So I, I don't want to be like, oh, poor Snooka. But Snooka was like, they messed with him pretty badly. He was so popular and the people loved him so much. And they knew it. And they knew that, like, they had him because he was also illiterate. And he also, like, had his own share of mental problems horrible things can happen to horrible people too like Agreed. that that yes. and, we, and we should be able to condemn those bad things happening to those people uh you know irrespective yeah. I, of- I, just- I imagine getting smashed over the head with the coconut did not help those mental problems at all uh, no no when when they find when snooka died he was almost completely unaware of his surroundings due to due to his uh, concussion issues, post-concussion syndrome. If you'll remember, they were finally about to put him on trial uh, for a mur- the murder he had committed 30 years previous, and the judge threw it out and said, we're not really even putting a person on trial here. Look at this guy. And he promptly died. Um, and it's true. Justice like in was the courtroom. Not in the courtroom, but like within a couple of weeks, yeah. he was dead. You know, justice was thrown out when they didn't try him in the 80s. I don't think justice would have been trying this guy who didn't know where he was 30 years after the fact, you know. But that's, you know, that's a sad story of Jimmy Snuka and the crimes of Jimmy Snuka. Uh, that was Nancy um, Argentino. Was Nancy the Argentino. Say her name. Yeah. Yes. No, no did, um, did Piper... Have, so you said that he had kind of a drug problem. Like, did he, did he have kind of a drinking problem, too? I don't think he had a problem. I think he just drank as much as everybody else did. Okay. Uh, were there, were there men before, like, 2000 that didn't have drinking problems? That's actually, that's right. true. That was just called, that was just called true. And, like, for all of the, you know, stereotypes that are out there, I mean, the, the level of acceptable drinking in Scottish culture is something that we would describe as a problem in, in, in a lot of other parts of the world on, on legends house, which, which uh, was the last big WWE project he was really a part of, you know, he addresses in the first episode, uh, you know, some of the guys are all around drinking and I quit drinking years ago and doing any of that. And I really shouldn't be around these guys if this is what they're going to do all night. And it was old guys sitting around drinking. It's not like they were like partying hard or anything, but he was sober. You know, he was a sober family man and his late 50s he didn't want to start trying to top it with the guys I, I i bring it up because he has a vocal cadence that reminds me of a lot of like drunken frat guys who 
make this kind of like this like these sustained like honky mid-rangey kind of sounds while they're mocking which is partially because it's mocking and partially because if you're inebriated it like sort of feels good in your skull to like be loud and annoying like and all this and i'm sure it's part of his character of being an amazing heel but there was part of me that was just like oh is he just like like this i don't know i i watched uh some pieces of a shoot interview from like 10 years ago it is really hard to follow what he's saying by that point and i don't know if that's more concussions or drugs or whatever but he became increasingly incoherent over the course of his life the first time i ever really saw him um because i have not i i tragically have not seen the classic film they live that many people have told me i would love we'll watch it for the premium episodes the my first experience of him was when he was on uh it's always sunny in philadelphia Mm. and in and his appearance in that which is great but like i was like who is this fucking guy they got like who is this man they found on the streets to just come in and be on the show (laughs) Well, he was he was very well known, and he could do that part well, you know. I mean, oh, he was he yeah. acted in a lot of stuff, you know. He he would play down how rich he became because I think he was afraid people would like try and take it from him. Because once again, you know, when you when you grow up that level of like poor and scared for like your life, you know, you tend to hoard. <laughs> And uh, that was just that. He he lived mostly. Uh, where, where did he end up living? The Pacific Northwest somewhere. Yeah, Portland. Portland, right, Portland. He was so loyal to the wrestling promoter in Portland. He told Vince McMahon when he came on to the WWF, I won't do any of your shows if you go to Portland. Oh, wow. I, I refuse to compete against uh, Don Owens, um, who was so good to me in my younger days. And Vince accepted that. You know, they would tour the country and Piper would not compete against Don Owens. I think they eventually absorbed that territory, right? Uh, well, yeah, eventually they all went out of business, but that's another story entirely. Okay, getting to the matches. First, uh, WrestleMania 2. We're finally hitting WrestleMania 2 here uh, with the boxing match between Roddy Piper and Mr. T. Evan, I think this is your first worked pro wrestling boxing match that you've seen, right? Were there many? There have been a few notable ones. There have been a few. Because my interpretation was that this was just like, WrestleMania didn't quite have the self-confidence to have all wrestling. And then so they were like, were they were like, we got to throw some boxing in there because boxing uh, was a much bigger deal. Back I then. think it's more like they didn't have the confidence in Mr. T to do a one on one match wrestling, but it would be easier for him to do it boxing. Well, also keep in mind that Mr. T was very famous for playing Clubber Lang and Rocky. Right. III. So people were used to seeing him boxing and Piper was a Golden Gloves boxer. So he knew what he was doing. Mr. T was initially a bodybuilder, right? And then sort of just became known as a personality and then was in the A-team. I don't know if he was ever a bodybuilder. He did become very famous as, you know, as on the A-team and in the movies and so on. I have read up on the history of Mr. T, but I'm not quite sure if he ever did any bodybuilding. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I just, I couldn't remember what his origins were. He's certainly like, in what shape. world he came from. Yeah. Uh, he says, uh, he says he took the, he wanted to be called Mr. T, because nobody ever called his father Mr. And he wanted to make sure everybody who talked to him had to call him Mr. And I can dig it. I oh, like dude, he is the ultimate positive yeah. role model in the yeah. 80s, you know? So th- that being said, the people who in wrestling who worked with him, like, said he was a gigantic prima donna pain in the ass to work with. Uh, who really me. thought he was doing oh, them a favor too much. Yo, other than Hulk Hogan, who said. loved him. They put him in the Hall of Fame a few years back. And his Hall of Fame speech is the longest, most rambly, and uh, it was so bad. It's really comically bad. He he said he thought they said, just take as long as you're going to take. But at at like the 20-minute mark of him saying nothing, they did the the equivalent of getting the hook. They, They played Kane's music. And Kane came out from backstage and was like, hey, man, it's, it's time to go. And he apologized. <laughs> Look, I'm a fan of Mr. T. People at the time in wrestling said he was a prima donna and hard to work with. And the truth is, by the end of the 80s and the beginning of the 90s, his star started to wane as he did become too full of himself. But in general, Mr. T is a very positive force, you know, especially these days. All he wants is that everybody to be cool. So and I can dig I that. Just, and he's cool. Yeah, I just looked up some of Mr. T's past uh, he, he first came to notoriety doing tough man competitions. 
specifically a show called America's Toughest Bouncer, which I now must see. <laughs> yes. Uh, wow. I, I mean, that's quite a competition, man. There are some tough bouncers out there. Yep. Yeah. He looks like America's Toughest Bouncer. Hell yeah. So, okay, there's a bunch of notable celebrities involved in this match, including guest ring announcer Joan fucking Rivers. Fucking Rivers, yeah. Yeah, Joan Rivers. Who is Herb? Oh, I have no Who idea. Who is Herb I have no the idea. Okay, Herb, Herb was a, um, he was an, he was a character in a commercial for some fast food. I can't remember if it's Burger King or, uh, I think it might have been Burger King, but I'm not sure. It was, he was a minor celeb. He was no Joan Rivers, that's for sure. But the gimmick for WrestleMania for years is that they'd invite the stars, and the stars would show up like, this is fun, WrestleMania, right? A note on this WrestleMania, it was held in three different locations. In uh, Uniondale, Long Island at the Nassau Coliseum, in Chicago, and in L.A., and so, like, you'd watch a third of the show live if you were there, and then you'd see the other two-thirds by closed circuit. They wanted to find a way to sell more tickets. This was before pay-per-view. Um, there would be, like like Ben said, closed circuit arenas and theaters would show stuff like that. Something that, like, we, our generation completely missed that, but that was a thing. If there was a big event, a movie theater would, like, show the big boxing match or something in the 70s, on a closed circuit thing. So the best thing is the judges are... Uh, Basketball player Daryl Dawkins, um, who I, don't, I was not familiar with, Cab Calloway, and G. Gordon Liddy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. It was, what, he, he was, um, he was uh, Nixon's, he, he was in the Nixon administration, Yeah, he right? was a big G. part Gordon? of the Watergate scandal. Yeah. Yeah. But apparently also had some career as a tv personality after that did he yeah look look up his wikipedia right. it's i couldn't i'll check yeah. it out I, I gave it a very quick glance people get reformed in the public eye in the most interesting of ways remember that everybody who thinks they've seen the last of x y or z person it'll be it'll it would just yeah it would be really funny if like you know we were watching aw tomorrow and they were just like and special guest referee Henry Kissinger. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'd watch it. So, yeah, and we got Joe Frazier and the Haiti Kid with yeah. Mr. T. And, of course, um, Cowboy Bob Orton um, and uh, some a trainer, I guess a famous boxer named Lou Duva, uh, who's with right. them. So we, I, I, I like the promo before the match a lot. That's pure Piper. D- did you see the promo before the match? I must have. I watched all of this. I'm well, you said remember. something uh, about... Uh, Piper insinuating that Mr. T had painted himself black or something. What oh, was that? yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was the whole, the, the, I mean, the promo is really good right up until that part at the very end. Um, but he does like, yeah, Piper does a good job of that, like stream, stream of consciousness, sort of much like a scary drunk man outside of a bar trying to fight you. He says things that don't really make a lot of sense, but you understand that he is threatening you. <clears throat> yeah, he was a rambling drunk man. That that's kind of what he had been going for the whole time. I didn't quite I didn't quite get that he insinuated that Mr. T painted himself black like you said. I think I thought he insinuated, you know, maybe the next time he'd paint himself black to imitate Mr. T or something, which is also unacceptable, yeah. but that's that's kind of what I got. Uh, I got I yeah, I got that he was saying I would never I, he was like, I would never shave my hair in like an Indian and paint myself black. I remember what it is now. There was a promo when he and Piper was referencing this, where T was like wore a kilt and was making fun of Roddy Piper with like Piper's uh, like costume on. And Piper oh. was saying, "Well, I wouldn't shave my head like like because yeah, yeah, oh, he had okay. the I wouldn't All shave right. my head like that and paint myself black." Well, that's good. He, that's good. That is the I because I well, yeah okay without I think, that context. I think that downgrades it from being super offensive just to being pretty pretty offensive. Yeah, yeah, they also definitely. I don't know. I'm not the expert on Mr. This. T references in his promo that they like beat down the Haiti kid and shaved his head into a mohawk. 
the Haiti kid was on an episode of Piper's Pit. Mm. Piper's Pit made fun of him for being a little guy. And then, yeah, shaved his head a bunch. And then Haiti kid shaved the rest of his head. And it was a way to get Haiti kid onto WrestleMania, too, because they, they, they liked him. They wanted to give him a spot. And they put him with Mr. T's entourage, you know. There you go. So the match is set for 10 rounds of boxing. They get up to round four. Um, and I, I thought they did a pretty good job making a dramatic uh, fake boxing match here. I've seen worse worked boxing. The first round was pretty even. T maybe got a little bit of an edge. And then, like, Piper clearly won round two. And T clearly won round three. They each got a knockdown. I love the, um, the uh, I, get, I think it was the beginning of round three. Uh, Piper comes out with, like, a ton of grease on his head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they have to, like, stop it for a minute and, and take it off of him. Just that, like, do you... Do you do you know what that's about, Evan? I do not. Also, so, just to clarify, the there's a point round. system. There's a point system in boxing, right? Yes. Um, and it's not just one to ten. It's like there's kind of like a baseline of like ten, and then you take points away for mistakes or not doing so well. And that it's it's overly complicated is okay. boxing's point system. But it's cheating in boxing to wear too much lubricant on your face. Now, putting a little bit of Vaseline or something on your face can help if, like, there's any cuts or swelling. It can help soothe a little bit. Um, it can help with sweat. But if you put a giant gob of Vaseline on your face, if somebody punches you in that gob, their fist just, in the glove especially, just slides right off your face. Yeah. That's and that's smart. illegal. I should, I should start smearing... Vaseline all over my face and then getting into fights with people, I'll be basically yeah. invincible. Yeah. Well, it's never it's thought a thing. of that. I yeah. could I could use that to fight crime. That goes people in MMA will, will Vaseline up their bodies so that it's harder for their opponents to to grab onto them, and it's a serious infraction of the rules if you're cut. And that was one of the charges raised against uh, Frank Gotch in the Gotch Hackenschmidt right. classic was that he was too oiled <laughs> up. Um, okay, so I mean. The match, yeah, it's a, it's a boxing match, and then in the yeah, end, of course, Piper, the wrestler, throws a stool at Mr. T and then body slams him to become <laughs> disqualified. Yeah. And it was just a matter of time before Piper did that, I figure. Piper was kind of the king of the DQs, you know. Uh, when he came in to face Hogan, and he was the hottest heel anybody had ever seen, and they built the national WWF on the back of Hogan, Piper was always like, hey, they built it off of Hogan, Facing Piper, if you didn't have a heel like me that was willing to be as hated as I was hated, the baby face wouldn't have worked so well. And he always refused to lose clean to Hogan. There is no WWF match in the mid 80s where Hogan big boot leg drop pins Roddy Piper. Um, and he said he because he know how that went. He knows like he thought it was the same way it went with Bruno Sammartino in the 70s. The heel would come in. They'd have six months. Bruno would beat the heel and then the heel would start losing to everybody, and eventually leave. Piper's like, no, I'm not shuffling off. And this was back when, if you were hot enough, you could just do that and say to the promoter, I'm not losing to your champion. We're over here. So they started having him lose most of his matches by DQ or countout. And he said, I never had a problem doing the job. I didn't want to be completely put under the champion like that. Which is why it's so notable and remarkable and meaningful that he loses to Brett. In the third match. That's the first time he gets pinned in the WWF, I think. Yeah, ever. Maybe the second. In almost a decade of being there. Now, we're getting a little we're ahead, of ahead of ourselves here. All right. Moving on to a year later, WrestleMania three. Piper decides he's going to retire so he can go do movies uh, exclusively. And they set up this match with Adrian Adonis. Now, before the match, so Piper had been gone for about five months. And in that time, they replaced the Piper's Pit inter interview segment with the flower shop now before that they did that adrian adonis was doing this kind of like um bowery thug gimmick and he actually like he was teaming with dick murdoch and they were this weird odd couple and he'd bring dick murdoch down to the bowery to see like how he lives and um at some point he gives his leather jacket to piper on piper's pit and so that he can go off and become this more uh, flamboyant version of the adorable Adrian Adonis character. And he does that, and he creates the flower shop, which is his interview segment. And cowboy Bob Orton joins him, starts wearing a pink hat. Eventually, Piper returns, and he wants his interview segment back, and uh, Adonis is not happy to give it to him. 
And so there's a few interactions between them. Uh, one of them is this um, segment on the flower shop, September 6, 1986, where uh, Piper comes and confronts Adonis. So, Evan, what did you think of this segment here? Um, enjoyed it way more than I thought I was going to. Kind of went into this thinking, like, all right, like this will be like other wrestling I have seen from this time. Um, Adrian Adonis is fucking awesome. Well, yeah, just talking about the segment. Oh, first, oh, yeah. Who is this guy? The flower shop. Oh, the, se- oh, the flower shop. Piper uh, being like not exactly low key homophobic. And, and oh, all oh, that. this all. Well, then this whole this whole premise is also very clearly like a like a kind of a gay panic homophobic yeah. thing of just yeah. like oh like they're running a flower shop we all know what that means i mean if um, he wasn't a heel yeah, this was if he wasn't a heel adonis would be this incredible drag character um yeah but yeah. given the sentiments at the time he had to be a heel yeah oh and and this was i mean like you know th- sometimes sometimes you see things and you're like it used to be easier to be funny you know, yeah. where like you could just kind of like there we had a, we had decades where there were a lot of guys who were considered hilarious who were kind of just making loud sounds, kind of just making loud, funny sounds with their face. Um, and it's but also not to say that there's no showmanship here or anything, but I was just like watching this and I was like, oh, no. oh this was. Yeah, I can. Th- this was something that was very funny at the time. Uh, and in retrospect is uh sucks and is based in <laughs> a lot of homophobia. a lot of piper's jokes if you listen to them really closely make no sense whatsoever no none i wrote down, yeah hold on um okay no in the next match i wrote down some shit that he says uh to breast that was okay. like nonsense <laughs> absolutely yeah nonsense. yeah <laughs> so okay so, we'll definitely so now the that. match at wrestlemania 3 between adonis and piper evan yeah, Adonis was great. Well, oh, yeah. what do you think? Adonis yeah. is bumping yeah. is crazy. Yeah, see, so yeah, for I mean, man, talk about I always say I love seeing a graceful fat guy. And he's like like they started off and I was just like, who what is what is this guy's deal? He's got mauve granny panties. He's got hair that looks like a wig, but it's it's it, <laughs> but it, it's, it's not like and it's like a bright, bright straw yellow curly mullet. And he is shaped like Dr. Robotnik. And <laughs> he flies through the air with, with grace and skill. Like uh, fucking Shawn Michaels. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was, it was incredible. Like, I, 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 I would love to do an episode on this guy because he, uh, he seems remarkable. What, what was his deal? Well, I mean, he started in the, in the early 70s. Um, he would, he was not always adorable Adrian Adonis. He was it was Adrian Adonis. He was he was like a leather jacket biker guy more like that. He was still kind of shaped like that except he was in a lot better shape if that makes sense. I think he He was a tough guy. I he he no, what's up? I think it was always kind of implied that he was gay. Like maybe. even at, as the biker, um, you know, like maybe It's entirely possible. But I you never know. Like people didn't know that fucking um Halford was gay, right? Right. Uh, well, he eventually, in the late 70s, started teaming with Jesse Ventura. And him and Jesse Ventura were a tag team for several years. Um, they came to the WWF together in the early 80s before Ventura stopped wrestling. And, uh, yeah, he was a top heel, like, in the latter days of the Backland era. Uh, you could see matches, like, from then. Um, and then, yeah, he came up. He started doing this wacky gimmick because in the WWF, it was more starting to be wacky gimmicks. And uh, he left shortly after this match, and he 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 died in a car accident in um, a couple of years after this. So what you know, what could have been a great late career was was certainly cut short. He he died in one of the most Canadian ways possible in in Newfoundland. Him and a van full of wrestlers swerved to miss a moose, and it crashed. And into it's- a giant. Vat of maple syrup. Yeah, and it caught fire, and it was very impolite. Uh, but seriously, though, most of the wrestlers in that van died. <laughs> it was terrible. But oh. yeah, and, and uh, that—that's just that's that's his career. If you want to see more of his stuff, I don't know how much you'd you'd, you'd probably be impressed by him. But it's gonna be some old-fashioned stuff, because uh, this is the tail end of what he was doing. But yeah, I'd be willing to look it up. I'm sure I'd enjoy it, because he was very good. 
I, I was shocked at, uh, at just how well, not just how well he moved, but how um, this match between the two of them did not have a lot of the same sort of, I don't know, like boring repetitiveness that I kind of associate or, with this era. Or wrestling moves, though. Like, <laughs> this has about <laughs> yeah, as many true. moves as the boxing match did. It looks like a fight between yeah. these two guys who wanted to fight. And sometimes and Jimmy, Jimmy Hart's Hart, yeah. all there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, yeah, well, the main move that's at the center of the match is the sleeper hold or good night, Irene, as uh, Adonis puts it, as Adonis calls it a weird kind of finish where Adonis puts him in the sleeper. He puts him to sleep, it looks like, but releases the hold before his arm comes down the third time, thinking that he's won, but he didn't win. Meanwhile, Brutus Beefcake, who earlier in the night had begun his face turn by turning by actually being abandoned by his partners in the dream team, as they were called, comes and revives Piper, allowing Piper to recover, put Adonis in the sleeper hold and beat him. And then per the rules of the match, because it was a haircut match, uh, they then shave Adonis's head, giving Beefcake a new uh, <laughs> a new profession that. Um, <laughs> would bring him to, to greater heights than he had ever been before for the next several years as he became Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Yeah, this was the genesis of that. Uh, I do enjoy Gorilla Monsoon saying with confidence, this is the last time we'll ever see Roddy Piper wrestle. Yeah. It, it did, like, it was not. The story behind that, by the way, is that, like, he had started to get, like, shuffled down the card a little bit. And Piper, like, just, there was no contract there. This was before people had, like, exclusive contracts. I mean, a few people did, but Piper didn't. And, uh, you know, he went to, he talked to Vince, and he's like, look, what's, what's happening now? And Vince said, look, I don't think, I don't think we're going to use, we don't, we're gonna, we don't have a spot on top for you now. Um, and Piper's like, well, I've been, I've been starting to make movies. I'm just going to, I'm just going to uh, leave. Well, and Vince is like, fine, we can, can we can redo this match at WrestleMania. And he's like, yeah, we can do this match at WrestleMania. And Piper said all he needed to make sure of, he's like, you know, my name is Roddy Piper and it's my name. You don't own that. And they did not contest that. And he was like, great. And he left on good terms and he came back sporadically whenever they wanted to do business. And that was that, you know. He never wrestled that full time schedule again, mm. but he was his body was still like you s deteriorated heavily over the years. Well, also making action movies is kind of hard on your body too. But I'm uh, yeah, I'm sure that a lot of the damage had been done by yeah. the time he left. Last two things yeah. I love about this match are one, um, them showing Adonis the mirror after shaving his head and him flipping out yeah. and punching it immediately that was some great he doesn't do the long there. comical look wide eyes uh he sees it he knows what's going on he just starts swinging and then the kid jumping in the ring at the end and piper just like you know hey it's his retirement match you know he humors the kid <laughs> for a second before you see yeah. him being dragged off by security <laughs> well, piper knew how to react okay that's an important skill. now yeah perhaps one, one of my favorite matches ever uh, at WrestleMania 8, Roddy Piper defending the Intercontinental title against Bret Hart. Uh, this is the only title that Piper ever held in the WWF, was the Intercontinental Championship, this run. And this was really his retirement match, actually. Um, he was he was going at, he you know, it, not only was he not going to work a full schedule after this, but his appearances were extremely sporadic after this. And he didn't show up again for at least two years. So Yeah, he was he was but a special attraction from here on so out. So he thinks thought of this as him passing the torch. Because he still thought of himself as the top star in the company, I guess. And uh and he passed the torch to Bret Hart by actually losing to him clean. But before we get to that, the promo between the two of them is one of my favorite things ever. As a little kid, I had this whole thing memorized. <laughs> yeah. What, what did you think of the promo, Evan? So I wrote down, he says some things to Brett. He claims to yeah. have known Brett since he was very young. Which is almost true. Uh, apparently, he, he really met Brett when Brett started wrestling and was getting ribbed a lot by the older guys or, like, getting treated kind of badly in the ring by the older guys. And Piper kind of took him under his wing and helped him out at that point. But he did know his dad, you know. Oh, they all know Stu. But he, impl 
he implies so okay so there's he makes fun of Brett for a few things now the first thing he says that he was potty trained late yes like says potty trained which okay that's that's a thing that I guess is insulting that that you makes sense potty trained until you were seven but but then he said oh and then uh something about like his shoes were always tied together yeah like Brett would always tie his shoes together when they were kids <laughs> isn't that funny what? Because what is that? He's dumb and he couldn't keep track of like which laces he was tying, so he tied them he's, together. He's he's just trying to bait Brett. Was this a commonly accepted metaphor f- for stupidity at the time? Was tying your shoes together a thing that when Roddy Piper said it, he was expecting other people to be like, "Ah, yes, somebody tying their shoes together." The sign know. of being a dumbass that we I, all I think- know. It's supposed to be a mistake that a small child makes. Okay. I, yeah, you know, I don't know. Because he's talking about when they're little kids, which they didn't really know each other when they were little kids. But he's trying to say, like, because that, that is a mistake a small child just learning how to tie their shoes might make. And here's Piper trying to make light of Brett, and Brett is not having it. No, yeah, no. Brett, Brett does not crack. Well, and then he <laughs> says he, that when his mom would make him bologna sandwiches, she would just put on one piece of bologna. Which feels like he's making fun of him for being poor, but they come. It's he's a heart yeah. with there, so I'm gonna guess they're not poor. Like, I, I yeah, I think he was just trying to insult his mom. Just he's trying to get a rise out of Brett. He's trying to get Brett to fight him so Piper can get and have an excuse to get angry. Because because here's the thing about this: they're both baby faces at this point. But Piper is clearly the like the more, more established guy and so famous for being the antagonist that he's trying to antagonize Brett into like, you know, turning. Give me heel. a reason. Yeah. P- pick up the gun. You know, <laughs> pick up the gun. And that's what's such ama- so amazing about this match is that dynamic. Where you have yeah. you have Brett playing possum a lot, which would be a heel thing, except you know what Piper's capable of. And Brett knows what Piper's capable of. So you forgive Brett for using somewhat underhanded tactics because you know that he's just preemptively doing it because that's what Piper's going to do. And Piper does a little bit of it later on. He actually yeah. does. There's actually a call back to the shoes tied thing he he, he tells brett right. that his shoes are untied and when brett Which looks they down were. he sucker punches him yeah um, and that's the thing that would have been dumb if later you didn't see that one of brett's boots was actually untied and that sucker punch was great that's yeah. you know you see the guys punching and punching he's like no down there boof and brett went right down and, and started bleeding check Chekhov's shoelaces yeah, right. Check out. That's a really cool yeah. thing because we've talked about before how they you got blood on this show, and so did Flair in the Macho Man match. But Flair got fined for it, and Brett didn't because they did it ingeniously. Brett, I figured it out. I think Brett Blades. <laughs> they both fl- flop out of the ring together, and I think Brett yeah. bladed then and just kept his face away from the camera until the spot where Piper sucker punches him. And then you see the blood. But you yeah, wouldn't then have you see thought. the blood starting to drip. Yeah. And then they do the bulldog spot later. And that's where you really see the blood a lot. And then you're thinking, oh, maybe he bladed between the sucker punch and the bulldog. But no, he couldn't have done that. There wasn't yeah. a moment for that. And they there hit- was blood on the mat under his face after the sucker punch. Yeah. But they hid the blading. They, they embedded it in a place in the match where you wouldn't look for it. Um, even looking back, which was cool. Um, now, the really notable thing about this match is the finish. So Piper, he, he goes for the ring bell. And he acts like he's going to hit Brett with the bell. And then he has second thoughts and he decides he doesn't want to do that and throws it out. Now, that was so brilliant how he did it because he holds the bell up and there's like the fans at first are like, oh, yeah, hit him because, you know, they're bloodthirsty animals and that's what wrestling fans do. And he wanted them to boo that so he could reconsider. So instead of like thinking, oh, no, this isn't working and panicking, he puts it down. He waits a little. He looks around. He raises it again. He starts doubting in his face. And then the crowd starts thinking we don't. And as Brett 
as smart as he was, gets kind of up to his knees, looking kind of pathetic, like, don't hit me in the face with the bell. And by the third time Piper raised the bell, the crowd was with him and they started booing him. And then Piper started reacting to everyone booing him like, oh, maybe maybe I shouldn't do it this time. I know I've always maybe I shouldn't. And then eventually and Bobby Heenan, by the way, is losing his mind on commentary like he is screaming at Piper to hit him with the bell. Is he the one who says um, there's a point where they're looking at each other uh, at the beginning and he says two ugly people looking at each other. That's yeah. fun. Uh, the, the commentary in this match is some of my favorite between yeah. those. Heenan Piper has is, amazing lines. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When Heenan's like, when he's like, when I was champion, and Gorilla's like, when were you? Ch- what were you champion of? And Heenan's like, the neighborhood. <laughs> and and Heenan uh, calls Brett out for playing possum. He's like, he's gold bricking, and Gorilla's like, no, he'd never do that. And then it turns out that Heenan was right. Piper just hurls himself at everything. Yeah. It is like he hurls himself at his opponents. He hurls himself at taking bumps. He hurls himself at talking. He hurls himself at standing. <laughs> yes. Just completely. Yes, yeah. He, he takes but a big swing he, with everything. Um, I did think, I thought this was a good match. I have to say, yeah. I really enjoyed it. The finish. I, I thought it was, yeah. The finish, you you saw something similar in the Steve Austin match in Survivor Series 96, but this was the first time Brett did it, where he he's in the sleeper hold, he kicks his feet off of the top turnbuckle, flipping backward and pinning Piper. And I think that's my favorite wrestling finish ever. Yeah. It's just, it's so it's, ingenious. It's fantastic. It is, it was pretty fantastic, I have to say. I, I was, I was, like you said, I, I was surprised at how, how into this I was. So, well, tell me, what is it about Brett in this match? That made you start to kind of oh, get it. I just just like the way that he was chaining all of the stuff together, just the rise and fall of the match and ha- and like the, you know, doing the holds and stuff. You know, it is quite technically impressive. The way he holds on to Piper's wrist at the beginning of the yeah. match for that arm ringer. Like, Piper's doing everything he can to get out of that hold. And Brett just, you know, um, yeah. stubbornly holds on to it until... Piper just finally flops on the mat and he can put him in a hammerlock. I dug yeah. that. All right. Yeah. Do we have any uh, final final thoughts? Uh, well, uh, Roddy Piper is uh, certainly a complex figure. Um, he was one of the most popular characters in the 80s and into the 90s, although a lot of his work in the 90s was just god awful. That's what happens, um, you know, sometimes. Uh, yep. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna watch uh, some of his movies and some uh, some more of his like classic matches instead of like. Well, we're at least going to watch one from before the WWF on the premium, and that's going to be cool. Yeah, there's going to be there's going to be a premium episode where we watch more matches, and then at least uh, and then at least a premium episode where we watch Hell Comes to Frogtown, uh, a a film I know a little bit about but have never seen before, and have been told is uh, one of the most audaciously terrible things ever made and so I'm looking forward to that and then we'll also watch They Live and I will, will and I will finally have seen this classic movie. I just want to reiterate one really cool thing about Piper and these matches is that you know the, he is the proof that move that wrestling is not about moves. You know, um, and that you can have an incredibly engaging wrestling match doing very few moves. Uh, and the, uh, the opposite is not the case. <laughs> I think, you, you know, you can't have a great wrestling match. That's just a bunch of moves strung together. That's yeah. not what p- the art of pro wrestling is about. The song isn't just the notes, man. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I feel like he was a, uh, I'm trying, I'm trying to, he just, he really embodied, he embodied a level of like the Wesley Willis of. Pro wrestling. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe I wouldn't he, go that far. He, but he, but, uh, he embodied the level yeah. of, of unpredictability, of danger and unpredictability that is hard to fake. Yeah. <laughs> and like even yeah. even in a resume, it just clearly was a big part of who he is. Yeah, no, going um, back to that whole sack tap thing. Like, yeah. you believe he's the kind of yeah. guy who would just fearlessly go into a bar, make fun of everybody, and then deal with yeah. and, and would be happy with the consequences of that. You know? Yeah, right. exactly. 
Like uh, he wants he, somebody to start with him, so he has an excuse to start with them. That was the thing with the Brett promo. Finally, Brett does really start with him and rears back for a punch, and Piper pulls out his fist covered in a leather belt. Yeah. Like, nope. Nope. I I got you. I got under your skin. I got you. I'll see you in the ring. You'll already you'll already be angry. <laughs> Didn't work out. No. This has been contesting wrestling. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, you should hit us up on Twitter at ContestingW. Let us know if there's anything we missed, anything you think we should cover, anything you think the guy should show me to help me expand my understanding of wrestling. Um, if you like what we do and you want to hear more, we have weekly bonus episodes on Patreon. Um, it is We normally charge $5 a month for it, but uh, in the show notes... If you look down to the show notes uh, on your podcast app, you'll see links to some organizations that you should be donating your time and money to that um, are, you know, either bail organizations or um, uh, groups that have a more long-term focus or groups that are, you know, helping people in immediate need right now, all related to this uprising against police violence and systemic racism. And we don't want you to have to make a choice between giving them money and giving us money, you should be giving them money. So if you make a $5 donation or more and you um, take a screenshot of the receipt, please send that to us on Twitter and we will send you a link to the premium episode. Because, yeah. And if you want to give us both money, hey, that's great. I'm not going to stop you for sure. But I, I've, I am usually in a situation where I only have one $5 to spend and so you know I, I i i know what that's like this has been contesting wrestling thank you we love you <laughs>